for us, I think, really, really well. I got I got to have it all. You just don't get to have it all at once. I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. I mean, I really did. And I don't think we ever set out to have a million dollars per se. We didn't think about an end amount. We just thought about the process a lot. And we didn't know a lot because our parents hadn't talked very much about money. And we started investing in mutual funds and we just kept doing it every month, every year. And uh, when you said money's a taboo subject, and I find that interesting because it is, and I don't know why we're, it's cultural. I think that we're maybe ashamed to have or have not, but I will tell you why have, why is it important to have money? Because you can help people with it. Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 300. Stace. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I've been spending a lot of time recently planning activities for our children, meticulously planning activities for our children that they will later complain about, which is an exciting aspect of the summer. I don't complain about any of them, though. Oh, no, 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 not you. The kids. I know, but I'm the extra child, you know? (laughs) That's true. At least sometimes, right? So today is pretty crazy because it's episode 300, and... Fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, I, we did not end up getting somebody on the podcast worth $300 million. We thought we were going to have somebody. Been back and forth over the last several months. That's why I didn't announce it again. And for whatever reason and timing and some other things, it just didn't work out. So y'all are in for a special treat, though, because today on the show, we have my parents, which is pretty wild. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I thought about editing it up pretty good and, you know, kind of taking out a bunch of stuff, but I decided not to. And so it is extremely raw. Uh, But yeah, I think it's great. I think it's, it's, it's fine. You know, I've been wanting my parents to come on for quite some time. My dad's just not really the the type to do this kind of thing, but he finally agreed. And, and uh, I think we got a lot of good information and kind of you know, just give you an idea, they're in their, I guess my mom's still in her 50s, my dad's in his early 60s. So from a from a kind of age and stage of life, you know, all the kids are out of the house and it's mainly kids and grandkids and fur babies and all that fun stuff right now. And they're approaching retirement. So we get into a little bit of that discussion and the discussion of, you know, what they wanted to do raising kids, uh, including me and we share some fun stories. So a little bit longer episode today. I think one of the, the cool things about this episode, specifically for myself, but also as I've had several discussions with friends and, and you know people that have written in lately, is the concept around memory dividends. And, and we get into kind of my parents' mindset around creating some of those memories that you know, to some degree may, may not show up on a balance sheet per se uh, as it relates to dollars and cents, although I am working on something personally to, to quantify those uh, myself. 
so that it can um, and and be part of kind of my whole holistic life and and uh, financial picture. But uh, that's for for another another discussion, another day. But at any rate, we get into that discussion and uh, you know, kind of the mindset that my parents had when they were younger and and even today, and into some of those things. So yeah, it's a it's a, it's a great episode. Me, my parents. Uh, both of them, and then uh, Stacy are all, are all together. So it's a, uh, it's pretty wild, huh, hon? Gang's all here. Gang is all here. And did you have any cr- crazy takeaways from from the uh, hour and a half we spent with them? I spent the last nine years with them, and I think they're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I've been picking your parents' brain on this a lot, and. I feel like I pick your, especially your mom, your mom's brain in general, a lot on parenting because I really admire, I really admire how she was very intentional in her parenting, uh, she and your dad both, um, and and how they raised you guys. So, yeah, it's, it's a great episode. I I always enjoy listening to your parents talk about how they just structured raising you all and. And there was a lot of forethought into it, and uh, something I, I I admire about them, and it's something I try to mimic. I fairly often will text your mom, <laughs> "How do you, how do I do X Y Z with the kids?" and and she always has great insight. So, uh, particularly, obviously, in respect to this, we're talking a lot about about finance, um, how they really instilled a great work ethic and um, just money skills uh, to you all growing up, which I think is is great and, and something that we're trying to do as well. Yeah, for sure. So my parents, they got a net worth over a million dollars, about 25% in real estate, 60% of it's in retirement and other market investments Investments, and the rest is uh, cash and personal items. And as you'll hear my dad uh, talk, my mom talk about the investments, you know, they selected some funds back in their early or mid twenties and of uh, mutual funds and, and, uh, in particular for the most part have ridden those things for the greater part of their whole life at this point. So, uh, set it and forget it and continue to do it every year has been, has been more or less their, their approach, but, uh, we'll get a little more into the weeds in the, in the show. Last week we had Max. Uh, he was also a guest on episode 172. So we had him returning. He was a millionaire on 172, just barely crossed the million dollar mark. And then as more recently, uh, when we recorded, he was between three and five. So quite the trajectory in the last couple of years with him. We get into his uh, detail on how that happened so quickly. And notably, I feel like this is something that we see a lot with uh, with people that we interview. The first million is the hardest to make, and then after that, it seems to compound pretty quickly, kind of snowballs. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's definitely been been the been the case, and uh, we're starting to see that. You know, when we started this podcast, and in fact, I want to read. A uh, a review we got uh, this week. <laughs> he says this is the best money podcast. Appreciate that. This is a DDFYRC. This is by far my favorite podcast. I like it because there is such a variety of guests. It proves that there is more than one way to become a millionaire. It is a breath of fresh air compared to others that preach the one way, one and only way. I think he meant to put to become a millionaire. Definitely appreciate that. You know that is one of the things I think is stuck out the most. Uh, as we've done this show over the last, you know, five and a half, six, seven, I guess almost, yeah, seven years now, or getting close to it anyway. This was kind of about the the time that the show started, even though we didn't release episodes until November, but we started kind of in the summer uh, prior to that. So 
Yeah, that's a it's it's interesting to note that, but it is definitely something that has been very eye opening for us. And as Stacy just mentioned, uh, you know, we're starting to be able to see one of the things I really wanted to do, and what I was mentioning earlier is be able to you know look at guests, you know, over years and hopefully decades, given that we started this when we were in our twenties, and be able to have kind of that trajectory, what it looks like from somebody who just started out to 1 million to 2 million to 5 million or whatever and beyond. And uh, yeah, Max was uh, was uh, gracious to come back on again and kind of share that story. And I've got a handful of guests that, that uh, we'll see in the next little bit, I think here with uh, some reappearances and stuff to, to kind of give you the, the picture of what it looked like, you know, four years ago to today or three years ago or five years ago and whatnot. So uh Super excited. We haven't had too many of those on yet, but we're starting to, to kind of get to the point where we are having, uh, are able to have a few more on, I should say. Once again, if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. We'll get you on the calendar and get that scheduled. Uh, we'd love it if you would uh, continue to leave reviews on either iTunes or Stitcher. It continues to help us grow the show and get great millionaire interviewees. If you haven't heard your story yet, haven't heard your profession yet, reach out. We would love to uh, interview you. There's still several out there that I, uh, I kind of have on my, on my list that I would like to uh, interview. But, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, another, another day we'll get into all those. We'll give you all the, the big list. I know it's a long episode. So uh, without any further delay, let's get into the interview with my parents. Welcome to the Millionaires and Bell podcast. Today on the show, we have some special guests. In fact, this is pretty wild. I've been waiting this for this day for myself for a long time. I get to interview my parents. And so we're going to have a little fun dialogue. So mom and dad, Mattinson, get to share their story a little bit and get into some of the details and weeds of what their perspective has been over the years and, and kind of how they tried to raise me and my three siblings and and whatnot. And I've got Stacy on as well. So I might get ratted out a little bit, but we'll see. So anyway, to begin, we're going to begin like we always do. Give us uh, a little bit of, of, of who you are and, and, and what you're up to now. I'm mom <laughs> and I am I'm a registered nurse, was a registered nurse for how many years? I don't know, 20 years before I went back to school and got my nurse practitioner. I went back after um, my kids were starting to leave the nest and I knew I needed something more challenging. And I had always wanted to go to med school, but back when I would have gone to med med school, it wasn't as easy to go if you had children. And I also knew that if I if I had kids, I couldn't be the kind of physician and the mom that I wanted at the both times. I just I couldn't. And I wanted to be a mom more. So I work in family practice. I've done that now for 12 years. Um, lots changed in medicine. And when you kids were growing up, there wasn't options like there are now to do things online because we didn't have computers. And so for 16 years, I had an on-call job that I took after office hour calls with one of those brick cell phones. And I, I took after office calories weekend and after five with medical issues, staffing issues, whatever, with our, our patients that we had. And I did that. And then when Wendy, our youngest, got into first grade, that's when I started spending more time at work because I found it's helpful for my mental state. 
But I loved being a mom and it worked for us, I think, really, really well. I got I got to have it all. You just don't get to have it all at once. Okay. Yeah, well, we can tell who the responsible one is because <laughs> usually uh, if we go back to when I was kind of younger in high school, I mean, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. I mean, I really did. And that didn't work out for me exactly. So why uh, did you think you were going to be a professional athlete? I get asked that question now. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I mean, tell everybody why you thought you were. Well, I I lettered in five sports in high school, which was cross country, golf, football, basketball, and track and field. Just thought I was a really good athlete. And I loved athletics. I loved competition. But, you know, through those uh, experiences, you get hurt in football. And that kind of ended that career. And then I went to college and thought I'd walk on. And I got to see those football players play at full speed. And I thought, well... I don't think I really want to get hit that hard. So that kind of ended that dream. And I thought, okay, we'll move on to something else. So that's when I really started to to study and buckle down and say. But you went on a track scholarship to begin with to school. And ran ran the hurdles for a college. and, uh, and, And that was a good experience. And I never was beat very much in high school. But when I started getting losing in college and track, that was kind of difficult for me to kind of swallow too, but there's not a whole lot of money unless you're the best in track and field. And so I needed to buckle down and study and learn how to support uh, myself and a future family and that type of thing. So I uh, eventually uh, have, you know, a little difficult, Got I have two BS degrees um, <laughs> and I eventually uh, went to perfusion school and graduated in uh, 19... 19- 88 in perfusion school. And I've been a perfusionist ever since here in Spokane, working with open heart surgery and and on a team, doctors and nurses and perfusionists and helping to help people who need heart surgery. I will say back then, he we got married. He had one semester left with just a couple of classes and he's finishing those classes and he's like, I don't want to be a physical therapist. And I'm like, what do you want to be? <laughs> I wanted to start a family and he, he's like, I don't know. So we took a year and just worked our butts off. He had three jobs. I was an OR nurse and took I, as much call as I could. And I worked as an orderly and then as a recovery order, orderly. And he drove floats. Drove floats. <laughs> uh, my mom used to build floats in Utah County and I would drive the floats in the parades and you know stuff like that growing up, trying to find. And once I found the perfusionist and the physiology and the OR, which I was acquainted with being an orderly. I liked all that. So I was in the right environment. I just didn't know exactly. And healthcare, I just didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But we applied to perfusion school and we got right in. Three weeks later, we were headed to Houston, Texas. It was a pretty exciting time in our lives. And we found out we were expecting you the day before we left. And that day we crashed the car. <laughs> and all, all of our belongings in a trailer was in a heap. But I've never, I was driving behind him. I've never been so glad to see someone because I watched him all the way down the hill and I thought for sure he was not going to make it. And I thought I was going to be a widow at 24. <laughs> but the good side is five hours later, we loaded up a U-Haul and drove to Houston, Texas and Made it to school on time, and yeah, we did really well. Awesome. So, so today, net worth over a million dollars. How do you allocate and think about your investments, and maybe even just go back in the day 
on on the journey that it's taken to to kind of get to to where you are now? I don't think we ever set out to have a million dollars per se. We didn't think about an end amount. We just thought about the process a lot. And we didn't know a lot because our parents hadn't talked very much about money. Many market funds had just was just coming out. So, you know, you didn't invest in stocks back then unless you were willing to lose your money completely. So, and it was 401ks were kind of new. And dad just said, we're, we're putting this away every month, no matter what. And that's basically what we did. So we stuck to that. Um, and we started investing in mutual funds. And we just kept doing it every month, every year. And uh, yeah, we're kind of boring that way. I think our other biggest asset, one of our goals was that we, we wanted our children to have opportunities. We felt like being involved in things would teach them skills that we couldn't do at home necessarily. And also, it was really important to us to save enough that we could pay for undergrad for all of our kids. And we did that. And, and for me to go back to school. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we, uh, every year we would kind of interview our children and, and, uh, Jace was a entrepreneur pretty much. I'm not even sure when, when, how old you were when you started that paper out. It must've been. He started things before that because he had his, we had our little sweet treat business, but we were the only house that had air conditioning. And so I would bake and they had a table out and front of our house and they would sell shave ice <laughs> and and then bakery goods. And then Jace came to me one day and he told me that he wanted to have a yard care business. You're about not quite eight. Wait, back a minute. This, let's go back to that sweet treats because I remember Jace coming in, running the show at 13 or whatever he was. He wasn't 13. He was like seven. Seven? Six seven. and seven years old. And the middle school kids would yeah. walk by and... He was running out of product, and he's come in and was just, "Hey, we need more ice, <laughs> and we've got this little ice maker <laughs> trying to pound out more ice for uh, middle schoolers who are walking past our driveway that wanted something, and it was really hot and wanted a snow cone." And Jay saw the business opportunity of that. We still joke about that. We need more ice. <laughs> he was telling all of us <laughs> in the kitchen. Blasting us all around. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. But when you're he, almost, he, ha- he hasn't changed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he still bosses us around. <laughs> he, um, when he was about seven, he came to me and he told me that he wanted to have a yard care business. And I was, I knew he could work. We had moved into a new development and nobody had lawns. And he was three when we moved into that development. And he would get his little Fisher Price wheelbarrow and he would haul bark for eight, 10 hours a day, almost nonstop. So I know he could work, but I didn't know if other people would think that he could work. And I I believed in him. And I said, well, I, here's what I think you need to do because they need to know you can do this. I think you need to go to the people. And we made little flyers up for them to take around. And I said, I think you need to offer to do their lawns for free for a month. And then after if they were happy, they could keep you on. And you did that through high school. And I made a couple of them. I made sure I went 
back around and made sure everything was okay with the yard. <laughs> well, I know I sure. cut a few of those flowers, man. That was, that was rough. It couldn't hold the <laughs> weed eater. It wasn't Just strong make enough. sure we're giving the customer what they wanted and doing a little bit better job than maybe a seven, eight, nine-year-old could do. But that's what dads do. Teach them how to work and and then uh, just let them go. And that's what Jace did. So then he eventually got into the paper route business. Well, we were looking for something that we wanted for all the kids to kind of do because we wanted them to earn at least part of their way that nothing, nothing's free. <laughs> and Jace, would, he worked his tail off. And then as we counseled with one another, we're saying, we're wearing this child out. We cannot let him do this every day. <laughs> so... We went to Jace and talked to him, and he decided that he would let his siblings become in the business, which I thought was, that was a really mature decision on his part, saying, well, I've got life. I'm a little different stage than my siblings. They can get up early, at least one day, um, maybe three days a week that he would pass to someone else, and then he would be able to get his rest and continue to have his job and and let his siblings come into the business, which he did. Well, I thought was a great decision on his part. Yeah. And it wasn't, they didn't get a choice whether or not they were going to work that early in the morning. There were a few mornings where some of the siblings did not want to go on the paper route. And I said, you're getting up anyway. And I made them clean out cupboards. That only happened a couple of times. And then they were happy because if they cleaned out cupboards, they weren't getting paid. And if they went on the paper route, they were getting paid. And I think they all had a pretty hefty chunk of money when they graduated from high school to be able to go on and, and start college. And they also learned how to, how to uh, save money, how to spend money, and how to give money. And they learned about uh, money decisions, which were very difficult sometimes. When you interviewed him at the end of the year and Jace's junior year, I said, well, how much money do you think he earned? And he said about two grand. And I said, well, you didn't earn anything this year. Oh, and the, the fa Jace's face was so hurt. He could not believe it. And I, and I, I asked him, like, where did it all go? <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. And pretty soon he's like, I, it must have went to Taco Bell. <laughs> so he learned quite uh, a lot of quickly. burritos. <laughs> a lot of burritos because they were less than a dollar then. <laughs> I know. But he must have. He really turned it on because I think on his senior year, he not only had the paper out, but he worked for a lawn, another lawn care business, not his own, but somebody else. So he really stocked away. And Big Five. And Big Five, he really stocked away a lot of money to make up for. His $2,000 this senior year. Something I think is unique about your parenting, and this is not something that every family incorporates, but I love that you guys did. You made the kids pay for for some of the things that they that they got right. So I think it was half of their first car. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be also half of a church mission, which I think was five thousand uh, dollars. Explain what what did you what did you pay for? What did you expect the kids to pay for? So they knew what they needed to be saving up for. Because I think that's important when a kid understands. Hey, I'm not getting a car at 16. Like this is not just a freebie. Did you and and was it you were going to match whatever they gave towards a car or talk us through what the kids needed to earn and what you were going to provide? I think that started with the paper out because we I would charge them a dollar a day for expenses for the paper out for the use of the car for gas all that stuff. I would charge them a dollar a day just so they knew that businesses have expenses. And 
So they learned that principle and they were happy with that. And I thought that's a great deal. And they learned it. We started talking about money way before then with them, though. We used to get out um, Monopoly money and hand them all out what our budget was for the month and then made us made them pay us back what like the electricity and the utilities and and that worse they knew that a house has expenses it's something that you know i i i knew that but you don't know that you know when you leave home and so when they start getting a bunch of cash and they start saving and then they start getting older and they're thinking about uh, perfume and and, <laughs> for the uh, girlfriends <laughs> and, uh, and fumes or cars and girls or, you know, there comes a time where, you know, the, the family has to say, boy, we need another car. And so we always would say we would provide a car. We thought that through that high was, school, through high school, that would, that would work well. And that seemed to work pretty good. And that's what we did. They shared and carpooled and, and they're all good with that. But then the time comes where they need to leave the nest and they need a car. And so we thought there would be a good incentive for them to keep working that we would match whatever they wanted to put into a car. And those the first car that Jace bought was a certain amount, and we matched it. The next child came, and it was a little more car than, <laughs> yeah. than Jace had. And the third one came along, and, and it, it was, was a little more. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little more, so they got the hang of that real quick. <laughs> it's costing us a lot of money. Uh, anyway, it I think it it had its principle and it it was it, it did well for the purpose and they did all have cars when they left here to go to college and to drive i think pretty sure i think one of the things too is that we when we set out to fund college we set out to fund tuition and books and that's it they needed to work to earn the rest of it and and they had to get good grades or they didn't get to keep the Mattinson scholarship because um, we weren't going to throw our money away. And we didn't really have too much of a problem with that, really. They're very, all of them were very hard workers in college, had jobs, all of them through college. And I think they got better grades because of that as well. So good, good stuff. So I want to rewind just a little bit to, to the early, early days, you know, before mm-hmm. probably some were even born. But one of the one of the critical decisions I think that that you know I was aware of now you know post many years later was the decision to aggressively essentially pay off the house. But walk mm-hmm. us through yeah. that a little bit, especially given now that you know we're in an interest rate environment that that is much higher than most of us you know my age and, and even just a little bit older than me are even accustomed to. Because I think when you did the first mortgage i mean what was the interest rate back then eight nine percent nine it was over nine and we were ecstatic that it was as low as nine it was like a nine and a quarter and we were ecstatic that it was nine and a quarter so we took out a mortgage in 1991 and we paid it off and went to a fancy restaurant in may of 2002 our first house yeah we should say too we um we didn't know about finances too much, but we knew we wanted to know. And, you know, you didn't, we didn't have the internet then. And so we would go to Barnes and Noble bookstore for date night and I would pick a book and he would pick a book and I would read the book and tell him what I learned from it. He would read the book and, and we, we did some stupid things from some of the stuff that we learned in those books, but nothing that, like what? well, we had a whole life. 
Well, it was a modified whole life insurance policy. It wasn't right for us. I mean, it might be right yeah. for others, but it wasn't right for us, what we wanted to accomplish. Yeah. So that and I don't know. What else did it, it was just we knew we knew about compound interest. That's well, that, what we knew well, about. <laughs> well, I call that one of the greatest inventions of all time. And so then I showed Jace that what the You showed all the kids that all the kids what compound interest, how to figure it out and how to do it and the math and oh man, that was that's just the greatest invention. I mean it was just those guys would figure that out and especially Jace took into that and understood that uh, I'm sure his siblings all know about that too now, but it was just one of the greatest inventions of all time is the time value of money and how and to figure never, that out. He's never if forgotten we, it. <laughs> I, no. I Sometimes I'll look over, no. we'll be in the car and he's got his time value money app up. He's always calculating something. I never know what he's doing over there. Yeah, it would have been fun to have apps at that point. We, I think when you go back to paying off the house, Jeff's family, they didn't really ever have a house payment because they, his dad was a builder and they would cash flow it and build their houses. And I, my parents paid off their home early. And then when that happened, they paid it off. I was in college, but they married young, really young. And it wasn't four years after that. And my dad was in an accident. And having that house paid off saved my mom and my four siblings that were still at home because my youngest sister was five, six when that happened. And and Jeff's mom had also lost her first husband. And that's one of the reasons it was really important to me to do something to keep my foot in the door with nursing. I just, I've always been afraid of that, even when I was little, and I don't know why. But when we saw that, we were like, no, we, <laughs> we're paying it off. We're paying it off. I think back to Jay's question, the early years. I mean, Don Ann worked birthday parties. She would put on birthday parties for people. She would uh, sell candies and stuff. Oh, that's when I was. She would babysit. <laughs> she was, was little. So, so, so you can see that the work ethic, she would help her. Uh, her dad carried brick for the house. You know, that's kind of her early stages of working. My early stages of working were, were always building houses and helping my dad and say, you know, can I go play? No, we're working today. And he would treat us like, yeah, we'd put in a full day and, and building houses and carrying boards and all that stuff. And he was a builder and he uh, superintendent. And he, he uh, I think I was 12 years old and we worked on some horse stalls. At, uh, in the city, and my dad got the contract and was building all these horse stalls at a horse at a racetrack for horses. And I worked all summer, and then he kind of settled up at the end of the summer and gave me like twenty five or fifty dollars and a new twelve gauge shotgun. I thought, well, that's what I did for this. I, mean, I was pretty excited about the gun. <laughs> well, I mean, my dad must have made. Buku bucks on all of us kids, but that's where I learned how to drive. I would drive the old truck with. Oh, you know, four by eight plywoods, uh, plywood hanging on it, a flatbed, and we'd learn how to drive around the, the, the all the horse stalls and stuff, and pour with concrete and cam locks and boards, and we did all those things. My my brothers and and I, and then 
the best thing about that was my mom would bring up this fantastic lunch for you'd provide for a, a worker, like a laborer. And I thought, well, you're, you know, my dad says, well, you're a laborer. And I said, okay, that's fantastic. So I thought that was a good deal. We'd work hard. And I worked also in the hay industry. We had a lot of, I worked uh, picking cherries, picking cherries, worked in the hay, hauling hay for some of my dad's friends, which was very hard work. And uh, so we, our work ethic was, was there. We wanted to install that work ethic into our children. And we didn't have a farm. We don't have hay. We don't have, I'm not a builder. So uh, luckily, luckily <laughs> Jay said he wanted to do the paper out. So we followed suit. That's kind of where that started. But they developed a work ethic from that. Support for today's show comes from Factor. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. Looking for calorie-conscious options this summer? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with, with around or less than 500 calories per serving. Factor has over 34 chef-prepared, dietitian approved weekly options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 with over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or, for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Looking to pack in more protein? Conveniently add on filling options like a salmon filet or chicken wings to your factor meals to support your nutritional goals any time of day. Head to factormeals.com slash millionaire50 and use code millionaire50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code millionaire50 at factormeals.com slash millionaire50 to get 50% off your first box. And thanks again to Factor for supporting today's episode. I think one of the other things too that I don't think a lot of people, I, I had had experience helping my dad. He built our whole house. And he wasn't a builder or contractor. He just, for them to get the house that they wanted, that's what he had to do. And so I'd spend hours over there with him, either carrying bricks or nails. And and then I, after that, he had a friend that had a garage. And so I learned to overhaul cars with him because if I wanted to spend time with my dad, that's what you did. You did what he was doing. And so, and then Jeff knew how to fix things and stuff around the house. So we haven't paid rarely for a repair person for anything in our house. And we rarely, we we don't do transmissions all anymore, but we did do our first transmission when we moved up here. My dad came up and helped us. And so that we do one. take the we do take the car in if that has to have a transmission or something like that. But most of the time now you can put the little thing on and figure out what's wrong with it. And then dad YouTubes. Or, or, or we get real creative. I remember we ran a car with water for a while instead of antifreeze and some other stuff. So <laughs> I don't know how legal we <laughs> make things work back in the day, but we Jimmy rigged several cars to, to make them run. <laughs> they were a lot, engines were a lot simpler back then. You didn't have computer things in there that ran everything. I grew up taking care of, helping my dad take care of the car, changing the oil, greasing the cars, carrying tools, go getting tools, learning how to do it. That was just important for my dad to teach me. And almost to this day, I still do it, which is basic 
auto mechanics, I would say. I'm- I had to take, when he went down to vacation with you, Jace, I took 10, 10 12, 12, 12 five-gallon or 12 five-quart things because he takes his own oil. He changes his own oil still. And I don't think he didn't know that I had that background when we got married and we had car trouble on our honeymoon and we had my car and he's like, oh no, I don't have tools. And I was like, oh, I have tools. You know, he's like, you have tools? I'm like, yeah, I have tools. I think we were in Barstow. We couldn't find the right, uh, there was a Radiator hose. Radiator hose underneath that we couldn't find. So we had gray tape. So we kind of taped it up. And well, we, we were on our honeymoon and we rolled to Baker. Baker, California is not that big. We rolled into there. The guy had the, the lower hose. So I was underneath there changing the hose. And then she, my bride, crawls underneath there. And I'm going, what are you doing underneath? He says, well, I'm helping. <laughs> I said, okay. It was this kind of a good moment in our marriage that... We're in this I together. Know this. I know how to do this. And I, I didn't know she had to do it. And it was just kind of fun. And I think, you know, we we're just newlyweds and she had a little grease on her nose. And it was just a good moment and story in our life that started out. So we did make it to Vegas that night and got a hotel and and um, and continued on to our on our honeymoon. We didn't have a lot of money, like no money when we got married. But I had graduated from college and we both had good jobs. And I had no money once I got back, but I yeah. had a job. <laughs> had our, we had our jobs. Yeah. So. It's funny. So in, in terms of your investments, Dad, how did you decide on what you were going to put your 401k and your other retirement account and investments into? Well, eventually we came across, uh, we couldn't really figure that out with all the books we went to, but eventually we found Dave Ramsey book. and. That kind of helped us learn more about a process, a process about finances and how to do stuff. And so we kind of bought into uh, that program. And I think it's uh, really good for some people. It's good to read some books and the people you meet, and the books you read will help you in your life. And so we did. We read another book and we followed that plan for a while. And so in that, we decided that we would invest and mutual funds and we did CDs. We did, I think we did mutual funds okay. even before that, just because of the employment I was working with, and I I happened to be working with heart surgeons, which some of that kind of you know if you ask them they'll talk to you about it, but they would always tell me that oh Jeff you need a money guy, so they would always know that they're too busy taking care of the patients and everything else that they would always hire a, a financial planner, a money guy, or some person that would help them with their finances. So that's kind of where we started. And we were trying to learn more on our own by reading books and talking to people, and, and that seemed to work for us. We had a so how- money guy until Jeff figured out how much we were paying him for doing nothing, and then that was the end of that relationship. Well, <laughs> I, I got a son that's my money guy. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I think uh, Jace's knows... Uh, about how the processes work and about finances and a lot more than what I do. So I trust his judgment and his learning and his education and and just been impressive to me of how he understands business and money and those types of things in his life because it's so different from my life, which is medicine. So whenever he tells me something and I don't understand, I always kind of say something medical and I says, well, do you understand how we arrest that heart? And he'll look at me like, Okay, I, I get you. 
And then we discuss a little bit more so I can understand it. So I, I wanted to go back to that. And both of us were kind of the motto that we grew up on was to use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. And a lot of the kids we grew up with and our, I mean, I grew up with like 18 kids my same age around the, around the different blocks that we lived in. And we would do everything together and we were all similar situations. So uh, we learned how to, all of us work hard with our parents and we learned how to play hard too, and when we could, when our, our when our parents would let us play outside, and uh, everything was organized by us. It's a little different now that you know we have organized sports for our children, which is wonderful and safe, and it was just a little different. Expensive, expensive. <laughs> but we used to organize football in the backyard. We'd we'd chase bikes. We would play any eye over. And we would play a game that's called stink base night game so we would uh, just entertain ourselves and i think our parents knew where we were we knew what time was dinner because dinner was always on the table at six o'clock we had to be home and so i was kind of a discipline at that my dinner time was you better be home if you want to eat <laughs> yeah that was important to you when we got married too because i didn't have that my mom worked and she worked swing shift so that i could help care for my younger siblings. And so she wasn't home. And, you know, my dad was involved in a lot of things. And I didn't know what dinner at five o'clock meant until I got married. And then we had dinner at five o'clock for a lot of years. I want to circle back to the financial planner. So <laughs> at what point did you realize that it was time to cut ties with your financial planner? How long did you have the financial planner for? When did the financial planner come into the financial journey? Because I think you'd already kind of started down that path for several years maybe um and then and then when did you transition away from that well he had his 401k at work and there were some changes in how the surgery groups were here and they were being bought up by the hospital and so he had to take the 401k money that he had there because he couldn't necessarily i guess you could have probably rolled it over but he wanted a little more control of that so he that's when he took it to the financial planner then yeah so i was pretty much the financial planner till then so then when we had to roll that over i thought well i don't know how to do this and so then we did and did that for maybe four years i don't know it was longer than that i like yeah because ty, ty was 19 Ty was 19 and he's 30. Maybe for eight years. I don't know. Exactly. No, Jace, when when did you help us? I don't it's, it's been about I don't maybe remember, four, to five, be honest. four or five years ago. It's, all, it's only been about four or five years ago that we haven't had a financial planner. But he had been talking about it for a long time, getting rid of it, because he knew how much he was making and he didn't feel like he was really doing anything more than what we could do ourselves. Oh, I heard he a lot just of conversations. About Jay saying you needed to fire your financial planner. <laughs> Try to get my dad to fire his financial planner. <laughs> so what does the future look like from here? What are your, do you have further financial goals? Are you trying to maintain when, anyway, so what, where are you now? What, what does the future look like? Well, we still uh, contribute 401ks to get the match, which is around 5%. And, Six we, for and we max our Roth house like 15%. We've been doing that for, boy, several years. But we're looking at, we're looking at retirement and just like when we didn't know what we were doing to begin with, I've been listening books to books and I 
bought a couple for Jeff so he can read while I'm gone. And because it's, I've watched some of my patients and I, you know, it's kind of tragic how some people have to live because they didn't plan. And I don't want to feel like that. I've had health challenges. I don't want to worry about, can we afford my medicine if it comes again? And, and so I've been reading about how to navigate Medicare and Social Security. And there were a lot of things I didn't know from the book. So we've got a, Jace challenged me last time I was there. He says, you and dad need to sit down and you need to make your plan because we haven't had a plan. Our plan has been support our kids. That's been our plan. But and, and we're happy. That's we still. That's still our plan. <laughs> and we, we, but we've always supported our children, and we've also invested in mutual funds ever since um, nineteen ninety, probably. Well, so. earlier than that, I had a four hundred three b at my first nursing job before I met you, and that's we cashed that out, and that's the money that we used to move to Texas with. Yeah. So. So one of the, you talk about some of those, like the time value of money, but there's also another one that I always keep my eye on, a little formula that kind of says, well, if I have this much salary and I divide it by 0.08, it kind of gives you a kind of a number that you need to retire on if you want to live the same lifestyle that you're kind of living now, or it gives you a good number of what you need in retirement. So those two formulas are always on my mind when at least once or twice a year. <laughs> Not like Chase's, which is probably once a week, but I, I look at them like uh, twice a month or I, twice a year. I think one of the other things that we have invested in in the last few years was our house. We bought a new house because we realized that we had been in the one for 27 years and it was needing some work, had a lot of stairs. We had watched our parents live in homes that were really difficult because of the stairs and their challenges as they aged. And so, and we, we didn't want our kids to have trouble selling a home. And so we, we moved around the street from 41st to 42nd. That's what we did where our kids used to ride bikes. It's funny that it's interesting. You bring up 8% because typically now, especially in a lot of the personal finance communities, which I know you don't participate in, but a lot of the online forums and stuff, it's it's gone down to 4% now. So what what people thought oh, from yeah. your generation, maybe at 8%, now they're saying it's 4%. And some people think it's even lower than that, but to to have to, you know, keep the same lifestyle or whatever. So kind of kind of interesting how I guess the times have changed to, to some degree from a perspective standpoint. But at any rate, going back to to the investments that that you've made, you know, in the, your kids. I mean, over the years, why was that important? Like what, I mean, I think back to like, you know, one of the years I wanted to go to nationals for basketball and I know that wasn't cheap. Like why, why spend the money on that stuff? Well, for one thing, uh, so here's an AAU team that, you know, you've got a child that uh, has some talent in athletics and he has to raise money. Well, there's ways to raise that money. And it was uh, quite a substantial amount of money because our whole family couldn't go. But we, we had to come up with uh, $3,000. For, for you. Well, for I think all three, I, you, all three of you. All three of you. It was a $3,000. I didn't get a couch. It was That's a, where that money came from. It was a $3,000 bill to send you and Lacey and Don Ann to 
Memphis, Tennessee for the National AAU Tournament. So what happened in that process is that the team had organized several car washing episodes. And I mean, I, I tell you, I was working those just along with Jace. My arms were so tired for doing that car wash constantly, uh, all the time, I mean, for hours on Saturdays. I think it was hard too because not all of the kids participated and they're the ones that needed, you know, to earn the money the most. And we were there earning it for them. But I think that was a valuable lesson in that you're not going to be around people who pull their weight sometimes. And you, you know, work anyway. You work anyway. Yeah. Why why why, so, yeah. why did you do that? Why was that investment in in the things that all of us kids wanted to do? so important versus maybe loved, a lifestyle. I'm going to get teary-eyed here. We yeah. loved watching you do what you loved doing. And we loved that we could do it as a family and support each of you as a family. They didn't, you guys didn't get a choice. And I don't, you don't remember this as much because you were gone. There wasn't a choice about whether we were going to the basketball game, whether we were going to a gymnastics meet. It wasn't a choice. Whether we were going to violin recital, we were all going. There comes time where you need to sacrifice, and most dads and moms sacrifice for their children. And they're happy to, to do that. Once the kids are on track, they're getting good grades, they're studying hard, they're working hard, they've, they've practiced their athletics well enough that they're able to join a team that's competitive on a national uh, stage. I mean, you surely want them to um, set, you can sacrifice, you can help them earn money, you can get them to a place where they they want to be. And But I think too, there were a lot of lessons learned in, in that ex experience when you go places like that and with teams and families and you have a different family culture than people and there's things to be learned. And um, good and bad, good and bad. So I know that you guys are very calculated with your money. You've been really frugal. How did you, how did you grapple with becoming okay with spending money on family memories, family trips? And Jace always. Oh, oh, why we the trips that we took when when Jace was growing up? Do you want to talk about that? Why we did the trips? Well, we would we we. You Donna were on call. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not going to talk about that. But but that's why we did them is so yeah. that we could have family time. I worked a lot of call and were tethered to the hospital, and just my lifestyle was just that way at that time in our lives. But there comes a time where you, you need to go to continuous education. So we, both of us, grew up like camping. We would go different places in national parks in Utah, growing up camping, and that's the way we grew up. We would hop in the camper and trailer and our parents would drive us and Don Ann grew up the same way camping in Wyoming mainly and I, I, we could not give our children that same experience we didn't live by family we didn't live by family we not even close <laughs> so we were 12 hours from our family and so we decided that you know we're going to spend the money cuz we are we're going to get continuous education and we're going to I'm going to take my family with us. And so when we go to California or we go to Florida or we'd go to wherever the meeting was that I had to go to, my family would come with me. Not all of us. Sometimes uh, you take one of the kids. Or one of the kids would come, um, which was fun. And that's where just good memories of that, of them 
coming with me to a meeting and and participating in 5Ks and wondering whether they could actually, you know, that's early in the morning. And and now uh, I think about all my children are good runners and faster than I am. But at that time, they they just could barely do something like that. And and it was such an accomplishment for them to do. And now... Yeah, we had, we did have, and we, uh, some of our trips were to see family. Uh, We did have two trips that we wanted to take our kids on. And it it wasn't connected to a meeting. It wasn't... Those dream trips. Those Those dream trips. trips. And um, one was when Jace was 16 and we just saved. We just saved to do it. I spent hours trying to find flights. We ended up driving to Seattle so we could afford to fly all of us. And then, and the same thing when we went to New York, we, we knew with that trip, we had talked about it for years and we knew that that might be our last summer, that it would be just our children because they were old enough to be getting married. And that was, that was the last summer that it was just our children. And we we made them all get in this sedan. We were so sardined because that's what we could afford. There was the three in the back and then Lindy, our youngest, and me and Jeff in the front. And we traveled all the way across New York and Pennsylvania. To Ohio and then back through Pennsylvania to New York. Yeah. So we saw a lot of things and had a good time. And It's interesting. Lacey, our daughter, made a sign. And you don't always remember everything, you know, that happens on trips and stuff. But that's when you build the bonds. And she made a sign for me once. And um, it hangs in my home and it says, we were together. And that's that's what matters. We were together. Yeah, it's interesting, have- you know, because at this stage, you know, we're all adults. All of us are married. Most of, I think it's three or four of us have kids or fur, or actually all of us have kid, kids and or fur puppies or fur kids, <laughs> however you want to put it. And, and when we get, when we get together, those are the, the things, the stories, the, you know, things we talk about and, and, you know, have fond memories over. And I feel like it's, it's, it's a little interesting because, you know, your generation probably didn't travel that much. I mean, airplanes were a lot newer, more expensive, wasn't quite as common. And then even my generation as kids, like I don't, I don't really remember that many kids. There's one, a few people in my class. I'm like, Oh, they went to Belize for spring break. That's crazy. And that was like one person. Most of them were, you know, traveling, you know, across the state in a car or whatever. But nowadays it's like we hop on a plane and travel like it's, it's nothing. And, you know, take trips and experiences. And that's like, uh, you know, a predominant place that people want to spend money for, for those experiences and, you know, to remember and see the world to, to some respect where, you know, and, and it's interesting to see those kind of generational kind of shifts. I mean, even, even, you know, grandma, you know, it was a big deal to fly down to Mexico you know, that was like her, her spot, but that was like the only spot that she, she would go. Dad, you, you've had a goal that you're getting pretty close to accomplishing of going to all 50 states. Where did that come from? And, and, and why was that important for you to essentially see and, and go to every, every state in the, in the union? I, I think it's just, uh, you, you love to see different places and you love to see different cultures and there's, I think it's 
um, you know, I'm just going to mention there that I was like 18 years old when I took my first flight. 18 years old. Other than that, we, I was 19. You were 19. Yeah. So we were, we were, we were just, uh, you know, growing up, and we were happy to go camping and go to go fishing or uh, go with our family to national parks to do all those things. So. I don't know that, you know, and our children definitely had a different experience by getting on planes early as, you know, babies and uh, flying. And it just seems normal to probably our children to do that now, which it is, but it wasn't for us. And, and that's kind of a that tra- what you're talking about, that transitional type. Uh, as, as far as the states, though, I think one day you were just like, gosh, I've been to a lot of states. And you're like, maybe I can hit them all. And I still haven't been to every state, uh, so. But you're getting close. You're getting close, and um, and, th- and then you and then you you extended it and wanted to do all the continents, but you also don't like yeah. traveling internationally, which is interesting. <laughs> but you're but you're getting pretty close on those too. Well, that's 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 my golf addiction because I golfed <laughs> in Australia, I've golfed in uh, Eastern Europe, and I've golfed in Africa. So there's a couple of continents that uh, I don't, I don't know just, how you're golfing on Antarctica. Sorry, <laughs> well, that, might, that might not happen there. But South you America, might be able to hit a hit a hit a golf ball off some of the, uh, you know, maybe maybe towards a few polar bears or something. I don't know if they'll even let you have a golf ball down there. But uh, <laughs> we figure out a way. <laughs> Always, uh, you got to modify, simplify, and apply what you're doing. So. We can do that with finances. We can do it with travel. We can do that with uh, yard work. We can do many things with that little. Yeah. Dad, one thing that, that it, you know, has been pretty influential on, on me, and I don't even know when you, when you really started this, but every year you would look at your net worth. When, do you remember when you started that and, and, and why you started doing that? Well, that's, that's kind of that phenomenon. I used a computer, I think, for the first time in 1986, maybe, 85. I don't know, somewhere around there. But uh, by 1989, I mean, you know, computers were, were out there pretty good. Every family pretty much had a computer, I would say. So that's kind of where I learned about in 1990. I have a little chart that has kind of your your net worth and you can figure this out and you can kind of put this out and every year. So I'd print I think that out. that was Dave Ramsey too, because he had those things in his book. So I found like a little program on one of the old computers and I printed that out. So in 1990, I still had, this was our net worth. And like, man, we're actually making progress here slowly, <laughs> but we were making progress. And so then I, that happened for about 14 years before we, we, kind of hit a million and that that's kind of phenomenal to me to kind of look back at that because it wasn't our technically our goal but it was if you're not measuring your goals and analyzing it you know you're you, you, where are you going to go so you have to kind of analyze it everything's about analytics right basketball's about analytics oh. golf's about mm-hmm. analytics you know where you, you need to improve finances is analytics you know where you need to say okay we need to do this we need to strengthen this and so every year since then on either january 31st or december 31st or january 1st outcome everything <laughs> everything on the table and he, he does not use a, a computer at all it's all i do him. use computer well yeah because you have to look up the accounts but <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, there it's all written on paper. 
He's got his pocket protector out there and his little pen and I guess <laughs> yeah. you wear glasses, but only like five percent of the time. So I can't I can't I can't give you a hard time about that, but it's all scribbling in 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 the in the beautiful cursive that, that you have <laughs> <laughs> that no one else can read. <laughs> uh, well, I can read it. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. I, it's quite amazing to kind of look back at that and see the growth here and there and how hard it is to make that first million and how still hard it is to continue to make that. But yeah. it becomes easier and easier and easier. But uh, so your discipline, you know, you learn how to discipline yourself and to not come back from that. And we were very disciplined when we started our careers. Yeah. So in terms of kind of the cycles you've been through, because really, I mean, start invested in the early nineties and and on this show, we haven't had too many people that, you know, are of your age yet on the show, which is, is kind of fun, but you've gone through multiple cycles, multiple presidents, multiple administrations, et cetera. Did, did anything change, you know, in, in the nineties per se, or with the dot-com bust or even with '08? Or, you know, even recently, or if you really stuck to the path of I'm going to continue to put money in, I'm going to continue to invest in the mutual funds that I selected, you know, 30 years ago or, or more. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, from 2006 to 2017, there's quite a growth from 2017, to 2020. There was really a lot of growth. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a financial analyst and I don't know. I certainly know when. COVID came in and some of the difficulties we had, but it wasn't until 2021 because, man, we were still making uh, a lot of money in the market in 2021. But 2022, it seemed to kind of calm down a little bit and it came back down and the market corrected and so did our net worth. And <laughs> so it was kind of interesting to kind of watch all that just on the sidelines. I hate it when he tells me how much we've lost and then I have to <laughs> remind him. How much have we actually put in there? And if we're not <laughs> below that, we are in good shape. Yeah, that's it's, it's crazy, right? When you get to that it's level, that zeros start to move when when the market moves. When you've got that much invested in the market, yeah, it can, yeah, it does move like uh, so easy compared to what it was the first fourteen years. Yeah. So, it, did you did you splurge or did you celebrate when you hit the million? I can't remember. Did we do anything? No, I don't think we. No, that. the it? only thing we've ever celebrated is when we paid off the house. <laughs> I, mean, I remember that, but and nothing I, for the million. And, and that's because I, when I was in college, my first year at college, my parents paid off our house, and we we went to Chuck E. Cheese to celebrate. And I, that's a good memory for me with all of my siblings. Is that's, and I knew it was. I knew that was a big deal. Then, even though I hadn't thought about finances a lot, I knew that was a big deal. I mean, I've had some of the worst years next to the greatest years. I mean, 2009 was a great year for us. I so, but 2006 was a great year too. So, I mean, you just kind of look back at those years and you kind of look at it. And I don't have it all diagrammed, but I'm sure I could put that in a computer program and it would be quite fascinating to kind of see that line of wealth up and down. When, when you're kind of planning for, you know, retirement here and you're looking at your investments and everything else, like, you know, how do you think about health insurance and what that looks like, social security, you know, kind of walk us through That's being at this stage. 
That's why we're reading the books. <laughs> Goes back to that as the people you meet, the books you read, you're going to get educated. So we're done in uh, just giving my early Father's Day, Happy Father's Day to all you fathers and fathers. You know, a dad means love, and I hope that you're loving everybody that you're uh, in your families and those people that you're around. But she gave me an early Father's Day per uh, book, two books uh, about retirement, and so I'm kind of excited about that. So we're going to. Studying the retirement, I'll be reading those books and trying to figure out how to negotiate the transition from working over, you know, 40 years, probably. I mean, Don Ann's close to working 40 years as a, as a nurse. As a nurse and coming on, what, 36 years as a healthcare worker. We both are. So it's like, that's all we know. I mean, we don't, we, we take care of our patients. The patients come first. They always have. I've lived in the same house as some of my children for three or four days and haven't even seen them because I've been at the hospital working. And so you learn to dedicate your life to your family and to your patients. And somehow you they understand. <laughs> now you yeah, got a transition. Yeah. When you asked me that question, I came home when you told me, you didn't ask me a question. You said, you need a dad. And I thought about that because our goals have always been, okay, we're going to pay off the house. We're going to save the money so the kids can go to school. We're going to put money aside so we can travel which we'll still do some of those things. But but a lot of our goals we've met and we haven't thought past those goals. Yeah. But you, I think a lot of people are in your boat too. I mean, it's not something that your generation really talks about. And and and, and money has also been a taboo subject for, for quite some time. I think it's opening up a little bit more now in this day and age with the, the prevalence of the internet and social media and some other things. But it's it's not something that you all get around, you know, with, and, and a lot of your friends too are younger, right? So they're not maybe in your stage of life yet, but it's a it's a tough, tough thing to do when it's not like, hey, I just go down to the uh, the, the local, uh, you know, shop here and everybody there is sitting around the water cooler talking about what they're going to do to retire because nobody in your generation does. It's interesting. I, you know, I've thought a lot about this. So why, when you said money's a taboo subject, and I find that interesting because it is, and I don't know why we're, it's cultural. I think that we're maybe ashamed to have or have not, but I will tell you why have, why is it important to have money? Because you can help people with it. You know, we've had people come to us and said, Hey, this kid just came from South America and he came on a wing and a prayer. He He's in class at Gonzaga, and we're trying to raise money for his first semester of tuition because he thought he would be able to work and stuff. And it wasn't the same for graduate school as it had been for undergrad. And then, you know, we had a our one of our friends, her husband died young, my age, and she was going back to school. And we got together and said, you know, she needs a new computer, you know? And it's, it's really, I love that I can do that. I think P.T. Barnum said it best. He said, he said, the noblest art is making others happy. And if you can share your wealth by making them happy. Or lift um, their burden. Or lift their burden. Or uh, that, that's one of those uh, great things in life you can do, which you just did for me. Because, I mean, I, I told people about this vacation that my son took me on. I mean, first of all, we just recently, of course, I turned 60, but my son planned this out and wanted to do this vacation. So he knew that I wanted to always, I went to the U.S. Whitewater um, place in Charlotte and 
Didn't never the Whitewater Center. Whitewater Center never got an opportunity to to go there. So we flew from we flew into Charlotte and and participated in that. Uh, it was a great opportunity that the U.S. Whitewater Center and you could do whitewater, you could do climbing, you could do um, zip lining, or you could ride your bikes. I mean, it was just a fun place to go. And then, so tell me, tell me though, what you told me about all of this. That you were glad oh, I was that glad you that did it now. I was glad I did it now. I didn't know and how not much in fun 10 that years. was. So that's probably like a pre, pre-retirement pre like a gift from my son. But that wasn't it because we went to <laughs> – after that, we drove for an hour or so. And we went to – those those little things in your life where you, you get that opportunity. And it was just fun to share that with my son at, as an adult. And I know our wives were <laughs> back home, working hard, taking care of children, taking care of the house and the yard and all those things while we went and enjoyed ourselves. So I, you know, it's just those times where other people have sacrificed for me so that I can go enjoy. And I, I think that that was just part of uh, a fun time that I had with my oldest son. Yeah, no, we had, we had a great time. And I've, you know, the older I've gotten and I've realized that, you know, and I and I'm I'm fully subscribed to the to the notion that some of these experiences that that you have in life you can only have them or or sometimes the experience is only in, in a certain light or way at certain stages of your life. And as you mentioned, you know, going golfing at Pinehurst and 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 to Duke, like some of these things that I've wanted to do you know, either with you or, or, you know, the basketball camp by itself at, at the, at a certain age in life where granted, I didn't know what the experience was like and, and sure would have been fine in my fifties or forties or sixties or whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's going to be very different than having it at different stages of, of your life. And as you mentioned, like, you're glad that we went and did some of that now because, you know, in 10 years, who knows what that might look like, you know, you don't know what your health you might look know. like and yeah, nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, I, right? I'm not, I'm- I'm not old yet. I teed up today. I know you're not. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, I've had some health challenges that I'm lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, our daughter was in an accident. Lucky to be here. Blessed, yep. I should say. Yep. My dad was in an accident again, and he had a hard, challenging life. We learned about that, but he was only 42. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know. You don't know what you have left. You just don't. Yep. Yep. Dad, one of the things that I want to ask you and mom, really, the transition, you know, mom made the comment that it's been difficult to make the transition to, you know, spending or enjoying, you know, some of the fruits of the labor. And especially as, you know, goals have been realized. Why has that change and shift been difficult um, you know, and, and, and is it come from you're worried about running out of money or, you know, kind of walk through what that looks like? Cause you're not the only one that, that goes through that. And quite frankly, I think a majority of our, of our listeners, you know, that we talk to that are, you know, approaching retirement age, have a really hard time kind of flipping that, that switch. Oh, I have a story before he, he answers split. this. <laughs> that, that flip doesn't switch. I remember it was our first year married and we were all together for a family trip and we drove, we were in Arizona. We drove past someplace. It might've been top golf. It was something. We drove past something and it was advertised as $12 per person to do something. And, and Jeff said, ah, $12. Do you think that, do you think that'd be worth it? 
And in my head, I'm like, $12 a person for like an activity for a whole family trip is seems like a pretty cheap date to me. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's not, there weren't very many people involved. It was like two spouses and one grandkid anyway, but you were obviously in a place that that would have been okay to do. But I I think that that frugality in you is, is a, it's in pretty deep. Yeah. I think it's, I am very frugal. I, I will tell you, somebody asked me some questions about us yesterday. And I said, you know, my husband has worked really hard, really hard. And he's bought, I can, I was trying to think what he's bought over time. He's bought a pair of used skis. He did buy a pair of new golf clubs and he's bought a car. And that's it. In 37 years, that's it. I I think it's part of that's just repetition is learning. You, 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 I am, I get up every day and almost do the, you know, the same type of thing. I mean, repetition. I mean, I'm just constantly doing that. I mean, it's just in the, we used to call it the plowing years when we had children. And I knew I had like six people to feed. I mean, I I couldn't be frugal and I had to be frugal. I mean, I got six people that I'm supporting and help support. And we need to make sure that we we can afford the things that we should do. And so it was, I mean, I grew up that way too. I mean, I grew up, you know, we grew up. He doesn't buy clothes either. I think you've bought maybe a pair of tennis shoes at one time, maybe a pair of golf shoes. That's it that you've ever bought for yourself. And then you, you're upset when I buy something for you and tell you, you have to wear it because the other ones have holes in it. No, he's still wearing stuff. He probably had in high school. (laughs) You're talking about that flip the switch. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, in my, we were just always taught that way, and it's just ingrained in us. I mean, it was just like, yeah, ingrained to to save to um, work hard. That's why we had to go take this trip together because I know that if it would have been left up to you to to plan and write the check for, it probably wouldn't have ever happened. (laughs) In his defense, he did not say not one word about our vacation at Christmas. And, good. and it, 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 you know, now, now it was 17 people. It wasn't, that was, the, that was the, the six people we started with. It was 17. Was that the third dream vacation? <laughs> I don't know. But he told me, he goes, I don't know if we're going to do that again. Oh yes, we are going to do that again. Somewhere well, else we're going to do it again. <laughs> that's good memory. That's good memory. I also probably, you know, we got to take this trip too. in full disclosure. I, I probably had a lot of money to, that I needed to pay you back for all the paper out years that I didn't contribute you know, like 30 bucks of gas but I, I had a little bit of free labor help when i couldn't drive yet either and even after what i could drive on some of the, most of those that, days that, but that this is good bonding that time is, yeah that doesn't ever have to be repaid because you know how to work and that's the whole point of all that is that my son is a hard very hard worker and yeah just being with you and and sometimes uh, you're on the phone i don't know what you're talking about you know i try not you know, you're taking care of your business or you're on the computer and I see you working and I just think, wow, he's just a really hard worker. And all of our kids are, all of, all of our kids work really hard and are very good students. And really hard. So, yep. so the, and the, the married, car, buy, buying the cars, <laughs> I mean, we always, we always talk to millionaires about, about the car thing, but 
I mean, you've you've bought a couple new cars in your life. One was the family car, which I remember to this day taking the check to to the dealership and getting the whole sweet service and all that, which we had in the family for I don't know what twenty years. The other <laughs> one was a, a cash in for cash for clunkers deal back in the day when Obama was president, which you were getting more money back for for that car than you ever thought was it, it, it could ever be. Yeah, it could ever be worth for the melted metal on it. And and then more recently, when your son pushed the button for you to buy a car because you weren't going to do it <laughs> to get the dream car, right? <laughs> that, About 2009, the I, mean, I had to go to the, the auto supply wrecking yard to be able to get a rear end. I put it in the 87 Bronco and then took it down there so I could get the class for clunker. So. It wasn't that we've spent I, a lot of time at wrecking yards. It wasn't that, that I didn't have to do work for that. I mean, I I thought that was an ingenious thing, and <laughs> uh, I don't know if the car dealers thought it was at that time, but for me, yeah, it supposed was supposed to stimulate very, the economy, right? I'm sure it did. Yeah, stimulate, it stimulated People. creativity. Sometimes yeah. takes courage. So I'd never changed the rear end, but I dropped that rear end in the backyard, put a new rear end, drove it down there, and and got a. Brand new to, uh, Toyota. That's what we still I have must, today. I must say, though, that probably wouldn't have happened had I not disobeyed my 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 counsel from my father to not drive the car too far from the house because then it broke down and sat broke down for a few years in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we got So We've I'm gotta... responsible to some degree. <laughs> yeah, don't take it off the South Hill that you did, uh, but you got it back home somehow. So I'm sure that was quite yeah, a story. That was a freaking story. Of, yeah. Getting that thing towed <laughs> back from a buddy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a late night. Anyway, we don't need to talk about all my crazy teenage years, but all right. I want to, I want to wrap up with, with a few kind of rapid fire questions. And, uh, what I mean for you, I guess most expensive pair of shoes probably haven't been more than a hundred bucks, right? Probably about that. Yeah. For what? you or me? No, for you. Oh yeah. I Yeah. Good shoes. Good shoes are important to him. But yep. I think you what's uh what's been the most yeah. expensive meal out that you've paid for? <laughs> Your rehearsal dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, just uh, open the wallet, Jeff, and smile. That's what she said. <laughs> that was a good night. Like, that was a good night. Stacey, we want to keep her. <laughs> but other than that, was that at one of those dream trips, you open up your wallet, and I said, We just spent this much for in Hawaii. At, uh, oh, it was that oh, the, the Royal Dukes? Hawaiian. Or the Royal, oh, do you yeah. have that the breakfast? Dukes. No, it wasn't Dukes, but it's the Royal Hawaiian. Yeah, for, it was uh, for that. For the buffet, the buffet breakfast. Yeah, yeah. I I thought it was like three hundred dollars for all of us. I don't. It was a lot of money. The most I've ever spent in a meal. I at that time, and I thought I cannot believe it. And it was just, I mean, go eat. But everybody talks about it still about (laughs) what they ate at that place. Was amazing. (laughs) Children kept eating and eating and eating. (laughs) Yeah, that was good time. It's funny. Most expensive vacation was probably the one we just went on with all 17, or I guess last, last, yeah, over the holidays for yep. sure. Which, yeah, by far. Oh, yeah, by far. Yeah. Okay. We, we did our other ones pretty thrifty. I mean, to us, it was a lot of money, but when you think about what you could have spent, we did things pretty, 
thrifty. I mean, I'd go to the grocery store and get peanut butter and bread and we'd just make sandwiches to take and we didn't eat out a lot when we'd go. And the other thing is, is we have children that live in South, North, East and West of the United States. So it's yeah, you're all scattered. So, scattered. so our budget, <laughs> our travel budget has definitely increased. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Most expensive car that you've purchased? Yep. <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> Except for me. <laughs> I didn't write the I didn't write the check. <laughs> no comment. No comment. I think Ty wrote the check. He just didn't sign it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not answering that one. You know what, though? I will say you have enjoyed that. He'll go sit in in the garage every time and I, try to figure stuff out and turn every, on the fire on the screen. And yeah, I'm not driven it, nor do I think I will. I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you got after listening to you talk about it for like 10 years. It was, it was finally, uh, finally glad that it's in the garage and you get to play with it and enjoy it. What's you didn't been the, drive it very much long time <laughs> i bet he sat and looked at it what's what's been the the best bucket list experience that you've done i don't know that we've made a bucket list really it was really it, it it's just, just as i can think of my wife gave me a opportunity to go to a golf course in idaho two golf courses in idaho circling raven and Coeur resort and it was just her and i and she doesn't normally golf with me, but it was just fun spending that time with her golfing and uh, circling Raven and the, the rain and, and the sunshine. And it was just a beautiful opportunity for us to get away and do that. Somebody has to provide the comic relief. But at the same time, it was fun being in a, uh, you know, zip lining with her in Hawaii. I mean, and we've only been there a couple of times and it was uh, just as fun to go zip lining and to go through the canals on tubes and to snorkel and but none of that was just on our bucket list we just have an opportunity to go and we figure out what's there and what we want to do but what's on the bucket list connected with our work that you're looking forward to my wife has run a few marathons but i've never run a marathon with her but i'll support her through all those marathons so we've had a midnight run before um in january to celebrate the new year. Uh, this is all kinds the of things. things. It's the little things that doesn't have to be big, but they're just memories that you just enjoy and you think about. And, and yeah, are we planning some others? Yes. We're, we're talking about that. We're, we're, we're talking about that. We need to, and we need to put some things down because, you know, we need to do them now while we want to and, while we can. and while we can. So definitely uh, that is part of our t- talking and planning is to figure out what do we want to do on a bucket list. And I, I think she even we even have a bucket list book. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. My, my goal is, is... Oh, I think Diane has a Europe trip on her bucket list that I've heard about at least since we've been married. So that's at least nine years. So I'm not saying that you need to go, but I'm saying you should probably buy tickets. Well, so here's the interesting thing about why we don't. We want to and we will. And if I get sick... That's the first thing we'll do is we'll go. But we're still working. We have a limited amount of vacation time and we have a generous amount, but it is limited. And we only have soon to be just one child here in Spokane and everybody else is a flight away. We can't drive. And my mom is a flight away. And 
it's really important to me. I loved my grandparents. I loved them and we didn't live by them. We lived about a three hour drive. They were both very different and I learned different things from them. And I don't want my grand, sorry, I don't want my grandchildren to not know us and not be important in their lives because, oh, they're so important in ours and our kids. We love spending, still spending time with the kids and their spouses. Most of the time, I like the spouses better. <laughs> I think it's just, sometimes you just think about things you can do for someone, but I think Don Ann's really, really big on what she can do with them. And that is so important to be there and to do it with them and to experience that with uh, all of our children and grandchildren and and uh, and their wives and their husbands and um so it's it's that's my bucket list's main one right now just spend as much time as i can and until we retire that's that's what our time will be yeah you do things for people but you do things with people and also they both mean a lot to her well we we are beneficiaries of that and we love you for sure i've got one major one on my bucket list and that's to make dad as uncomfortable as I possibly can traveling and just put his anxiety through the roof. <laughs> it, it already happened when we went to Scotland and pulled him out I of wasn't the there. Line. I wasn't there for oh, that. Uh, I, thought, I thought for sure. I'm, Twice. I'm like, he is never going to go with me anywhere again. In Scotland and New York, I got pulled aside. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, man. He's never going to. But you, you lived. So it's not, shouldn't be a scary thing. <laughs> they didn't keep you anywhere. No. Mm. We'll, 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 we'll make it happen one of these days. I don't know where, but what's a key lesson that you learned from childhood? Work. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what I, I mean, work. I, work and that, and that you get my, my mom and dad, I felt that I could do anything. That they, they were ahead of their time in that area and there wasn't anything that I didn't think I could do. Because they believed it in me. I think it's, you know, my parents used to come to my football games and my basketball games. But my parents never came and watched me run track, which we were in a state championship in 1979. To me, that's just like, that didn't hurt my feelings or anything. But it's just like, it's such a, a moment in my life where it seems like, oh, that's kind of unreal. that You couldn't share that with them? Yeah, that I couldn't share that with them. And it was means meant so much to me. But, you know, basketball games and football games, they I guess that's just my parents were working so hard and track. Sometimes you have to travel long distances for that big competition. It's not just like you can drive up to the high school to see me perform. It, it's just those the key moments in life where if you have to travel and and some of the family get to go, I, I think that's better than, I don't know, it just, yeah. it's just one of those things you think about in your life that didn't get to share that moment. Be there. Be there. Be there. Moment. Be there. Yeah. Show up. What's What's been the most fun that you've had with money? <laughs> I don't. I don't. What do you mean by fun with money? Money is a means to a memory, I guess. And so well, you save it. You spend it. You give it. So to I guess, and I think we're we are really grateful we were able to get our kids through undergrad and help them do that. That's that's probably what I'm most proud of that we've done with our money, I think. Education. Yeah. For our children. Yeah. And retirement for us. 
<laughs> I haven't thought about that too much. He's just done all that. What's been the craziest thing that you've ever done to earn money? Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think how young I was. We lived in a trailer court and there was a KOA that had a little store and I would earn money. I was only like six or seven and I would earn money and go buy the bags of candy and then I would split it up and put it in my wagon and I would pull it around and sell this candy for a profit. And then I thought, I'm going to get my mom and dad had a, a tandem bike and you didn't see those in those days. And so I, <laughs> I was charging the neighborhood to ride on it with me. And again, I was only seven, eight. Hey, I've never heard most. that one. That's great. What about you, dad? Well, when I hold hay, I work for $2 an hour. That sounds crazy to me. I mean. <laughs> but $2 back then bought you what? A couple, I mean, definitely a night. Not a lot. Definitely yeah, phone well, calls at a pay phone and, and a Big Mac, right? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the craziest thing was probably during those college years where, I mean, I'm, I'm driving floats for my mother in parades. I mean, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> you think about driving down the canyon the and the freeway, and the freeways. Little, oh my gosh, I used to worry. I had him in that river so many times. I just knew that float was going in the river. That's funny. Yeah. I guess I yeah, probably changed that other answer to the, the ability to work because I, I think that that was instilled in us and we certainly wanted to instill that in our children. What's what's a a uh, closely held belief that you once had that you recently changed your mind on? I don't know if I've changed my mind, but I've just reaffirmed my mind that I need to love God, love people, and to work hard. I don't know that I've, I guess, I guess maybe it is in regards to many. I realize that, that we're going to be okay. And so it's okay because all my whole life, that's why I went to school. I was just worried that I could, I could provide for myself and my children if I had to. And I'm, I guess that's it, that it's okay. What's the craziest thing I'm doing with money right now? <laughs> Dude, you, we can't, we can't go Are back and answer 10 questions <laughs> prior. Are you forgetting? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. I said that was two questions ago. <laughs> but what's your answer? He means right now. I mean, I'm paying money to run a hundred yard dash and a 200 yard dash. I mean, almost 62 years old. Um, I've paid a lot of money to run marathons. Why, why, why is that crazy, dude? You're, 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 you were nearly a professional athlete. You ran track on scholarship. You hold records. You're a state champion. Why not go roll the dice again at the senior games? I've been trying to get you to do for all these years. <laughs> like, why not <laughs> go win yourself a gold medal? Uh, that might be. I'm sure there's some really fast sixty year olds out there. So. It'll be uh, fun to compete again. He was competing with the high school kids last week because that's what that's what he has the ability to do here at a track meet. And I was, he held his own. I, I was impressed. He did not come in first, but <laughs> he held his own against these young bucks. I was well, asking. I can't, I can't wait to be there and watch it. I've been wanting you to do this for years. I asked the competitor next to me how old he was. I said, are you guys still in high school? And he says, oh, no, I'm on college. And I'm going... Holy cow, you look so young. <laughs> and how old do they think you were? <laughs> I yeah, this grandpa. They're gonna toast me, boy. I knew that. <laughs> we just have to be fast enough to run after these grandkids. I got That's one true. fist pump after the race. So I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> oh geez. 
You <laughs> did go buy a new outfit and new cleats for it. And that's a big step, man. It was a big step. All pulling in one day. The, pulling out the Benjamins and then saving the receipt. You still doing that? <laughs> you made me order it online. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my. We're making, we're making some progress. <laughs> luck, skill, hard work. How would you rank them? Hard work. Skill. Skill luck. and luck. I would. Yeah. If you work hard, the skills come. And when you have the hard work and the skills and you're doing that, the luckier you get. What are your final pieces of advice to somebody who's just starting out on their journey? Read a lot of books. No. <laughs> I think. I think people are way more savvy now than there's a lot more to think about now than there was when we did. But I think the principles are still the same that, boy, you can sleep a lot more peaceful at night if you're not in a lot of debt. I think it's you've got to be disciplined and you have to be repetitive and have a plan and have a plan. I yeah, if you do that, you're going to be successful and be patient because I don't know what happened, but. It's just yesterday that you and I were 23 and 25 and getting married. And here we are, 37 years later. A lot of life happening in between there. and Hard things are going to come. They're going to come. And if you you have a relationship and, and the finances as best as you can, it can ease that way some when it is hard. Yeah. I mean... You give with your money to you tithe your money, which is important to, to make sure you're thinking of God, Christ, and your family and your faith and your country and the people around you and your I mean it, it just it's part of your life to be able to help others and to in be, be in a community and to contribute to different things because your friends will have opportunities for you to give and you'll Talk about that, and you'll give it, and it means a lot to those people to 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 give to others. And you're taught to certainly give your time and have a plan. Stick with the plan. That's not the plan. He would say that. That's not the plan. <laughs> have a plan. Be disciplined and and repetitive. Make sure when that plan is that you set that plan and you do it month after month, no matter year what. after year, no matter how hard it gets. You might have to. Get another job, or you might have to go without for a little bit. Or you share might... a car. I don't even know how many years we've shared a car. Share a car. We've sacrificed. We've done that a lot, which is important, and uh, that we were able to do that, you and I. So, and we quite enjoy it, actually. <laughs> well, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Stacy and I enjoy that at one point. Him, and I enjoy that I don't have to drive. I don't really care to drive. I don't like driving. As someone who married into this family, I just am so impressed by your discipline, your work ethic, how you've instilled those values into your kids, and just how hard you love your family. And, you know, Don Ann, you were talking about making memories with your grandkids, and our kids just absolutely adore you guys. And we hear about, I think we talk about Grancy every day. <laughs> And Tessa, the last time you left the next day, she comes, she comes in our room just almost in tears. And she said, 
I'm so disappointed Grancy left. <laughs> and then she said again yeah. a week or two ago, she's like, I just want all my family to live here and be here with me. <laughs> so I I so appreciate the time. It's hard. It's hard. But we, yeah, we appreciate the time that you that you take to uh to spend with, with us and make memories with our kids. And and I think my favorite thing I as I appreciate that you let us. <laughs> well, my favorite Not everybody thing about my favorite thing about when you've watched the kids, especially we've gotten to go on a couple of trips this last year and you came and saved the day. And, and my mom, I know also helped this last year as well. But, you know, I find that when, when you watch our kids, I know how much you love it. And, and you just, I, I mean, I'm, I know they give you a run for your money, I'm sure, but I don't know. I was on a run with some girls the other day and they were talking about how good this is what we are. They, they, <laughs> These girls were talking about how 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 uh how well you had my children behaved at church. <laughs> she, my my, friend, my friends were like, "Oh my gosh, your mother in law at church? She just had those kids. They were quiet as can be. They were all working on something." <laughs> Meanwhile, when we have them, they're you know they're uh, low key terrorists, but it's fine. <laughs> One day we need to talk at length about what you do with them in the pews. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's different when it's your parents as opposed to someone that you don't get to spend time with all the all the time. It's different. It's true. Unfortunately for our kids, both of our parents are cooler than their parents. And that's unfortunate. But at least they get to spend some time with you. <laughs> I think, yeah, when you go on those, you spend, you do things with your grandchildren. And then, you know, someone takes a picture and then they show that picture to you. It just that, you know, you, you know, you were there doing it. But you didn't really actually see the picture until after. And then Don Ann kind of showed me a picture of one of my grandchildren and with me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that was just such a tenderhearted We, we didn't grow up with taking pictures. And so I think being able to have FaceTime and pictures is such a gift, such a gift yes. in the moment. You know, we don't have to say, oh, wait, wait, pose. And you just get to catch it in the moment and you can see love and joy yeah, in yeah. faces. I don't know. Your family does pretty good in the pose part, showing us joy. Awesome. That's my mom and dad, and net worth of million plus dollars. Thanks for coming on the show today. Okay. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We're proud. We're very pleased with you, Jason, your radio program. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.